This is Connor Busick, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Tom Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Fidel scores! Paul Rabel splits two and scores! Kylie Omer showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home! What a start! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. I'm here with Connor Busick, midfielder of the Atlas Lacrosse Club in the PLL. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Connor, uh, you're a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, a rather untraditional area, you know, for lacrosse, although it is growing immensely. Um, when did you first pick up a stick and start playing lacrosse? Yeah, so, you know, Cincinnati is a non-traditional hotbed. Certainly, uh, when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of lacrosse. But picked up a stick when I was about five or six years old. Uh, both my parents were, were from upstate New York, so um, introduced me to it pretty young um, and then just kind of ran with it from there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and then so a- after you kind of took your towns from Ohio uh, to Corner, New York, to Cornell, um, where you finished uh, your career with the Br- Big Red, how was the recruiting process and what ultimately made your decision to go to Cornell? Yeah, you know, it, it was uh, kind of a whirlwind. It always is, mm-hmm. uh, especially now being a college coach and being on this side of it. I can tell, you know, it's not an easy decision for uh, 15, 16-year-old kids uh, to decide, you know, where they want to go to school. Yeah and the implications that has. So for me, um, being on that side of us, I went and was, had the opportunity to uh, to see a bunch of great schools. You know, I was fortunate that this uh, sport affords you the opportunity to kind of leverage your way into some schools that maybe you wouldn't have got into on your own. So I uh, had the opportunity to go to a great school like Cornell. And more than anything, you know, there's a lot of great places around the country, a lot of great people, a lot of good programs, a lot of great academic schools. More than anything, I, I love the camaraderie at Cornell. Mm-hmm. You know, I could feel it tangibly right away. Uh, it was a close-knit locker room. Uh, you know, people were challenged every single day at Cornell, um, and I thought that was what I wanted for my experience. You know, I think for, you know, an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid, as you're going through this, you know, at three or four years of college across, uh, it's important to, to be molded and shaped by people that you believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a place like Cornell, you know, it's maybe not the easiest place day in and day out, and that's, you know, certainly for me, uh, was all the better. You know, I certainly faced my ups and downs throughout my career at Cornell. Um, but after my four years, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It certainly uh, it helped me mature and helped me turn into the adult that I am. That's great. And, you know, you, you mentioned now you're an assistant coach there. You know, you're entering your fourth season, uh, second as a full-time staff member. Uh, what has it been like, you know, returning to Cornell and coaching your alma mater? It, it's been fantastic, you know, for me. Um, to be able to give that opportunity back uh, to young men is something that I take, uh, you know, very seriously. You know, I know that how much this place impacted me and, you know, my maturation process and uh, improved, you know, how I think I could have probably, um, you know, ultimately becoming a man when you step on campus as an 18-year-old kid and going through that process. It's certainly uh, given me some opportunities that I didn't think I'd ever have. So uh, for me, you go through the process, uh, with young men um, that are looking to figure out where they're going to play their four years of college ball. Uh, it's certainly something very near and dear to my heart, something I hope that I can, uh, you know, speak well to. Um, and so certainly we talk about the challenges that this place uh, will, will face you with, but certainly, you know, the support system and the opportunity that it affords you, uh, if you just keep working through those, those small challenges and eventually, uh, hopefully they feel the same way about their experience at Cornell that I did when I came out of it. That's great. And how's fall ball been going for you guys? Are you still in, in the swing of things or are you finished up? 
uh, just scrimmaged uh, Maryland on Sunday at awesome. St. Anthony's, and it was a great competition for our guys. So obviously, that that team's uh, the model of consistency. Uh, they do a fantastic job of, of putting an incredible product on the field year in and year out. They play tough. They play hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, talent's all over the field for those guys. So uh, it was a great competition for our guys on Sunday. And then we've got uh, basically one more practice. So we'll probably finish with a red-white. Um, and then from there, we'll head into the, uh, the individual uh, sessions mm-hmm. part of the fall. Awesome. That's great. So kind of moving from Cornell to the PLL a little bit now, you're a member of the Atlas. Um, So what was, uh, what about Paul's pitch, Paul Rabel's pitch uh, to got you interested in joining this new league before it's become what it is now? You know, having the interactions with Paul that I had, you know, prior to him even pitching me was a big part of it. You know, being around Paul at different all-star games and just, you know, in the lacrosse world, uh, having conversations about sports business and lacrosse business specifically with Paul, uh, you know, certainly piqued my interest. So the first time I heard about it from him, you know, he's a very intelligent, intelligent guy, uh, has a great sense for business, has a great sense for lacrosse and specifically knows that niche very, very well. So, um, when he approached me with this idea, I certainly was uh, was happy to jump aboard just because I knew uh, if there was someone who's going to do this and do this very, very well, uh, it, it would be Paul and Mike. Going off of that, you know, you played for Coach John Paul in the Atlas uh, in the inaugural season. What was it like playing under Coach Paul and, you know, with this squad this first year? You know, I think we were all in this process of kind of figuring it out together. You know, Coach uh, has coached, you know, the highest level of college across. Um, and now coming into pro lacrosse and this new thing, we were all kind of, uh, you know, set out from training camp to, to figure it out, to figure out each other, to uh, understand philosophies and how we wanted to play the game uh, with the, you know, the different rules and the short field and the short shot clock and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and he came into it with some revolutionary ideas. You know, he was out, you know, he clearly put a ton of time into, you know, building a lacrosse strategy first and foremost, but also building a culture within the team. You know, I wanted to make sure everybody knew each other and got to know each other well and uh, shared the core values and did little things like that that helped build our, our uh, camaraderie as a team as much as our, our on-the-field uh, strategy. So, you know, I think he, he came in from day one, from the first call I got from him, his excitement was palpable and he was ready to rock and roll. And he certainly put, uh, you know, made sure that we were all on the same page moving forward, start with some uh, little team-building exercises and then through training camp, and then uh, we were finally able to put on display, you know, months later after we'd started this process. That's awesome. That's great. And, and so you, you ended the season on a high note with a, a record nine-goal performance in, in Columbus. What was it like finishing kind of on that high in your home state, and, and what uh, are you looking forward to for this first PLL offseason? Yeah, you know, it was exciting to uh, to end on a high note. You know, it was disappointing that we weren't uh, moving on after that to, you know, in, in the playoffs once. Uh, certainly we had one more game, but, um, you know, it, it, I think it was a culmination. You know, we finally got to the point that towards the end of that season we hit a stride, we are playing great ball, and uh, it took us a little time to figure out exactly who we were as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, you started to see that come together, uh, especially post-All-Star break. Uh, things were coming together well for us. So, you know, ultimately didn't do enough to get us in that top four and give us a chance at the championship. But I uh, was proud of the way the team came together and the way that we persevered through some ups and downs. Um, and then, excuse me, you know, in that game in particular, uh, I was excited. That was my last game with the U.S. I wasn't able to, to play in the last one due to a, a, the USA commitments mm-hmm. for the Indoor World Championships. Uh, but certainly to go back home to Ohio, uh, and have that performance was exciting for me. 
you know, you really you put on a show. I mean, it was a record nine goal uh, performance. Um, you know, you set a record and you kind of went out, you know, personally on a high note, um, as Adam said. But let's talk a little bit more about your Ohio roots. You know, we've seen the game grow rapidly in areas like Ohio in the past 10 years. Uh, but what do you think lacrosse needs to do to see continued growth? And what is a hurdle that you think needs to be overcome? Yeah, you know, it's, it's grown tremendously. Just, you know, my time from uh, a youth lacrosse player in Cincinnati. Um, at that point, there wasn't more than, you know, a handful of teams um, competing at the youth level. And mm-hmm. so uh, since that point, and as I moved on to college, it became a high school state sanctioned sport. So that was a huge step forward for the game. Um, I think the biggest hurdle, uh, you know, in terms of growth is going to be the accessibility to the game. You know, you see some great programs out there uh, that are making it accessible to more and more people. You know, there's certainly a financial burden on families uh, that, you know, just to buy the necessary equipment to play the game, yeah. you know, helmets and sticks and all that sort of stuff. Uh, are a pretty significant investment in sports. So uh, I think that's going to be our biggest hurdle. But you're seeing, you know, across the board, you're seeing people um, trying to to get over that hurdle or at least mitigate it a little bit, um, whether it's, you know, the Denver program that uh, they're working with out there with Eric Law. And, you know, I know Harlem Lacrosse and a bunch of different organizations like that are trying to spread the game, trying to uh, actively find ways to get sticks in, in kids' hands that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. And I know... Uh, you know, Stringking, for example, is, is coming out with sticks that are uh, at that price point and certainly donating them in masses to every program that they can uh, to make sure this game is growing and that we're mitigating that hurdle as much as possible. Uh, I think it's still going to take some steps on that front, but it's great to see that, you know, great people are making great strides on that front. Yeah, it's great. No, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think we talk about a lot, too, with, you know, lowering the barrier of entry. Um, so, you know, I think that's some, some great points. Um, but let, to finally, like, wrap up, let's kind of go back to, you mentioned the World Indoor Championships that took you away from playing in that final Atlas game. But what was it like, you know, playing in that tournament representing the U.S. in the Indoor Championships? Uh, it was a pretty special experience. Uh, you know, I really, really enjoyed it, certainly um, being on this side of it. I played uh, in something similar in the U19 Championships. Uh, when I was heading, I guess it was between my freshman and sophomore year in college, mm-hmm. uh, but doing it now as an adult playing for the men's team uh, was a whole new experience, you know, to be uh, in a sport that we're not truly professional across players where all of us have, or most of us have uh, other jobs that we do. Sure. Uh, it was a pretty cool experience to kind of have that, that routine of a, of a true professional, you know, where you'd get up and uh, go to shoot around, and then you have lunch and do treatments, and then you take you know a little downtime, and then you head back to the rink to play. Um, I think that experience and getting to know those guys and a fantastic group that we were with uh, over there for about two weeks was, was very very cool. You know, for me, I'm fortunate on you know on the home front, and then certainly uh, with my job at Cornell, that we had some fantastic assistants that were able to pick up the uh, the slack, so to speak, and you know help us. Um, or help me have as little to do over there as possible. Certainly stayed in the mix with some things, but uh, for the most part, those guys handled the burden. So uh, for me, it was a pretty surreal experience. It was awesome to uh, to play against the best in the world. Um, and really, you see some of those guys that are at the top of the box game are incredibly, incredibly impressive to watch in person and to compete against. You know, some of those guys have, have skills that uh, you know you see a lot. Um, I've got a little uh, experience. I've seen them mm-hmm. in person, but. Uh, just to watch all those guys on one floor at one time uh, was very, very uh, fun to compete against. Awesome. Well, that kind of wraps up our, our main questions. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into our 5 and 5 segment. 
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. And we're back, uh, starting with the five and five for the lacrosse-related questions. Uh, so, Connor, starting with number one, what are some pregame superstitions or routines that you have? So as my career has gone on, uh, I've gotten less and less superstitious. Okay. You know, that's, for me, uh, certainly, I think back in college, I used to try to wear the exact same clothes that mm-hmm. I wore the week before if I played well. Or if, uh, if I played well, I wouldn't retape my stick. Um, just little things like that I kind of carried for a long time. And then as um, kind of playing in the professional league, uh, because, you know, the travel and all these sort of other factors mm-hmm. um, can kind of change your routine a little bit, uh, I got away from it. You know, and I realized that, uh, you know, it, the circumstances shouldn't really dictate how I feel like I'm going to play. If I, if I didn't sleep as much because there was a delayed flight or a canceled flight or whatever it might be or, um, you know, certain other obligations made me get in late, um, or maybe the day of a game, uh, they've kind of certainly made me lose those pretty quickly and just worry about uh, showing up and performing rather than uh, all the intricacies before you play. Awesome. Number two, what's a top song or most played song on your game day playlist? Ooh, that's <laughs> a good question. I think it usually rotates. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that uh, there's a couple you know songs that I like and, I, and I'll refer back to from time to time, but more or less, whatever's new, okay. uh, I'll play a song to death if I find something on Spotify <laughs> that I really like on my Discover Weekly or uh, you know whatever it is, the, the weekly playlist. If it comes out and I like it, uh, I'll continue to listen to it, and that'll kind of be my pregame song. Awesome. Number three, who's a lacrosse player that you looked up to when you were younger and tried to emulate? So when I was very young, uh, I really loved watching Mikey Powell play. He was so electric and so uh, fun to watch, and he couldn't be guarded by anybody. Uh, I loved just his style of play. You know, I was a Syracuse fan growing up and watching them when they were going up to all the final fours in a row. Um, and then as I grew up and, and became more of a midfielder and downhill dodger, I really enjoyed watching Max Siebold. You know, he's a guy I've gotten to know well in our network, um, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate the way he goes about his business. You know, he's one of the hardest workers out there, uh, you know, I got a guy that's just a beast both sides of the field. And so uh, it was cool last week. I, I was able to spend some time with him and John Glenn when they got inducted to the Cornell Cross Hall of Fame. Oh, awesome. Cornell Athletics Hall of Fame. Man. That's awesome. All right, number four. What is your current lacrosse stick setup in terms of shaft, head, stringing, all that? So I use uh, – I'm a string king guy. Yep. Uh, so string king mark two with string king mesh, and then uh, their new uh, carbon fiber shaft has been my go-to for the last, uh, you know, probably year or two. Uh, it holds up well, doesn't uh, bend or break on me, uh, but I might be in the market now. They're coming out with a uh, metal three shortly here, so that might be my new setup. Awesome. 
Uh, and then the last of our lacrosse-related questions, where has been your favorite place to play or venue to play uh, over your career, whether that's high school, college, or now in the pros? Well, in college, I always, you know, I think we have one of the best home fields mm-hmm. uh, in the country. I think Shokoff Field is pretty special. It's certainly a place that holds a special heart in every Cornell lacrosse player's heart. But uh, on the road, I really enjoyed playing in the dome. Yep. Every two years, I always thought that was a fun atmosphere um, to play in. You know, you can't hear much, and it just becomes a player's game pretty quickly. Uh, on the pro side of things, um, I'm trying to think what my certainly Homewood Field was pretty cool this year. Uh, that was one of the better stops on the tour. I thought that one was awesome. Oh. The, uh, the D.C. Uh, United Field also was was a very cool stadium, I thought. I enjoyed the setup there. That's awesome. Not going to lie, our, um, in college, our, uh, I went to a, a smaller D3 school. There was a YouTube video of you crushing it in the Dome, I think from like 2012 or 13, uh, that our offense would play before half of our games to, to see you hit corner. So uh, it's definitely something that I, I remember watching. I'm a goalie, so I, even I appreciated it. So Yeah, that was certainly – I always had uh, some of my better games in the Dome. We even played a couple neutral uh, neutral games, nice. not against Syracuse, obviously, but mm-hmm. just in the Dome for uh, for the cover in, in February and March in, yeah. uh, in upstate New York. But uh, I certainly always enjoyed playing in there and had some of my better days in college in there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, now let's go into like the off-the-field questions. Uh, my first one I'll ask you is Cornell-related. What is your favorite class that you took while you are at Cornell? There was a uh, leadership and management sports class that I, uh, I really enjoyed. Ended up doing uh, a lot of work with that professor as I, you know, as I finished my undergrad and went into my uh, MBA there. Um, I think that was one of the more intriguing classes that I, I got to, the chance to take and uh, certainly is a topic that was near and dear to my heart. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm sure you're using it a lot now, too, in your coaching career. Absolutely. All right, number two, uh, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not on the lacrosse field as a player or a coach? Uh, I like to hang out. You know, there's not a whole lot of downtime sure. uh, in between traveling for uh, recruiting and playing in the summer and then coaching during the year. It's uh, something that takes up a lot of time. So uh, I'm a football fan. I love watching football on Saturdays and Sundays when I get the opportunity. Uh, I like to play some video games. and uh, I've really started to enjoy reading a lot more since I graduated college. You know, reading for, for leisure at, uh, at night has been a good way for me to uh, kind of settle myself and get ready for bed. Awesome. Well, that's actually kind of one of our questions. So number three, uh, what's a book on your bookshelf that you've read or are reading right now that you'd recommend to a teammate or a friend? Uh, so there's one you can never go wrong with, The, uh, the Hard Hat by John Gordon. Uh, kind of the uh, it's 21 ways to become a great teammate. Yep. Uh, it's uh, you know George, the story of George Biordi, um, and so it talks a lot about Cornell lacrosse and how our culture was built and, and the type of team that we're striving to be. So you can never go wrong with that one. I've read that you know numerous times, and, and whenever I need a little uh, comfort or a little uh, you know energy moving forward, that's always a good one. Um, and then a couple of years ago, one of our strength coaches uh, gave us the book Legacy. Uh, about the All Blacks team. It's a pretty uh, pretty good read. I would highly recommend that one if you haven't read it before. Yeah, and I, I really like, too, how the PLL uh, kind of honored Buarardi, um too, with you know their award this year. I thought that was a, a really nice touch. Um, all right, yeah, I'll have to check out Legacy. I actually just got finished uh, E-Town, where uh, I went, Connor, uh, just read that for their fall ball last year. So I, I have a copy of that if you want to borrow it. Okay, yeah, no, for sure. All right, so number four, what is uh, your favorite... Um, meal, and do you prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home? Oh, I'm a 
big time dine out guy. Okay. Uh, I can do takeout, but uh, it's pathetic how little I cook. <laughs> Far more often. Uh, fortunately, you know, when I'm at home, I have the uh, the great simplicity of Wegmans. Uh, the Wegmans pre-made is about as good as it gets, and you know, at nine bucks a meal, it's probably comparable to to making it on your own. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of my that's as close as I come to cooking in most cases. Uh, when I'm dining out, probably a favorite meal. Uh, there's a pork chop uh, dinner at one of the restaurants in Ithaca. That's uh, probably one of my favorite locally. Awesome. And uh, finally, what is your ideal vacation spot? My ideal vacation spot? Uh, anywhere that is uh, that has a beach and uh, hopefully limited cell service. Uh, <laughs> you know, with, uh, you know, playing as a side gig, uh, you know, that takes a lot of the summer weekends and, you know, opportunity to go travel. So outside of uh, Christmas time, we don't get a whole lot of time off as, as a college lacrosse coach and a uh, professional player. Uh, so uh, I've always talked uh, with some of my friends about going to, you know, uh, Greece or Mykonos or something like that and, and having a cool vacation over there. But uh, for now, uh, just on the to-do list, I don't see any, uh, any time opening up anytime soon to go, go check out those places off this to-do list. Awesome. You know, uh, so pretty much you want more either East Coast or West Coast locations for the PLL Tour next year, maybe like a San Diego or something? Yeah. You know, I think a San Diego would be great. I think, uh, you know, the opportunity for, you know, the best – uh, version of cross to come for a weekend um, and only calling those sites you know maybe once or twice it is pretty paramount you know I think to uh, to increase uh, just how uh, the visibility I guess of the sport in those areas is big it's obviously growing uh, you know there, there's better and better kids coming out of those areas you know with every passing year and so you're starting to see superstars coming from that that region but uh, I think the west coast is great to build it certainly from a travel perspective for me uh, I like East Coast ones, but you know mm-hmm. some combination of the two is uh, would be ideal. Awesome. And then uh, that wraps up our five and five. But we usually like to end with our final question, and that is, what is some advice that you have for a young player uh, looking to one day maybe play lacrosse professionally? Sure. I think the best advice that that I was ever given and that I could ever pass along is just have fun with it. You know, growing up, I can't remember how many games that I played in the backyard that weren't even necessarily. You know, they were lacrosse related. My stick was in my hand, but, you know, just messing around in the backyard shooting, enjoying the process. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly something that served me well long term, just, you know, mindlessly shooting the ball and not really understanding how many reps I was really getting in the summer because it was the, my favorite thing to do. But even just playing games with their sticks and making up games and, uh, you know, baseball like games with their stick and messing around with your buddies and, and you know, doing the little things, but have fun with the sport. You know, it doesn't always have to be on a field with 20 other guys that you have to play six on six or full field or uh, any of those things to get better. Simply having your stick in your hand and being a kid uh, can help translate directly to, to improving your skills. So uh, I'd say keep your stick in your hand, have fun with it, um, play as much as you can, but it doesn't always have to be structured lacrosse. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's great advice, I think, for, for any young athlete, you know. Um, and I think what you guys are doing too with the PLL and you know professional cross is kind of giving young kids right now a thing to aspire to. So that, that's awesome. Um, Connor, remind listeners where we can find you on social media. So I am uh, at cbuse33 on uh, on Twitter. I think I'm at cbuse33 on Instagram. 
Well, thanks, Connor, so much for joining us. We really uh, appreciate it. Um, congrats on a terrific first season with the Atlas, and uh, best of luck coaching Cornell this season. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate you having me on.